Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. All right, everybody, welcome into Five on the Floor. The Heat just beat the Pacers 109 to 100. We had a bet uh, at the end of the fourth, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, whoever was closest to the final uh, point differential would have to host. Alex said five. Leif has no guts and said one. And I said eight, so I'm closest to the to the uh, uh, ending point differential. So this is Alf, Alf954, a.k.a. Alphonse Sydney, and I will be your host. Okay, so uh, before we get into the show, I want to talk about one of our sponsors. Leif, have you ever nicked your balls shaving? I mean, who hasn't? I feel like that's just common practice, right? I feel like Alex is very 1970s and doesn't even shave his balls. Is that true, Alex? Well, that's uh, no, no. Come on, come on. No standard on here. Right <laughs> okay, well, get. listen. Uh, whether you shave your balls or not, uh, you, you should. And support for Five on the Floor is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That rhymes. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. So once again, if you guys need to, uh, you know, take care of your down belows, uh, go to manscaped.com and put in the code 5RSN. That's 5RSN for 20% off your first purchase. Dude, that's huge. I mean, I actually own a Manscaped uh, kit from before this because uh, despite what you may see on Instagram, I'm a hairy beast. So yeah, I I, I have my <laughs> own. What does that mean? I have my own. Yeah, because you see, because you know, I don't take. I take pictures and pulls with my shirt off, and you might not notice, but yeah, I have hair on my shoulders like Andre Drummond a few years ago. It's really gross. That was one of the best episodes of Heat Beat we ever we ever did when I was talking to Joy Taylor about uh, Andre Drummond's shoulder hair. It was a different time, but anyway. I have taken care of my shoulder hair with uh, my Manscaped kit, and you can too. Go to manscaped.com, uh, promo code 5RSN, for 20% off your first purchase. And now, time for the show. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. Um, this is the post-game show for the second game of the Heat's first round series against the Pacers. Heat win 109-100, like I said before. Um, I won the bet, so I'm hosting. I am your host, Alphonse Sidney, a.k.a. Alph954. And with me today, we have Greg Leif Sylvander. What's going on, Greg? What's up? Heat win. I love it. I hate calling you Greg, by the way. I feel like it's right? so I weird. know. So many people say that. I've called you Leif for like 10 years, man. Just keep calling me Leif. Okay. So now now it's funny. You've been introduced to a whole new audience. And then people like text us like, why do you guys keep calling Greg Leif? I'm like, why do you keep calling Leif Greg, weirdo? Anyway. Um, And then also we have Alex Toledo, a.k.a. Tropical Blanket on Twitter. What's going on, Alex? What's up? Alex is here on time today. I'm just joking. Alex is 
here on Time for the Pod a lot. You're not attending the Zoom calls because we need you because this is a it's a it's a big feel good show. I honestly um I don't think that this game was as close as the final score says. I don't think I don't think anyone stressed about this since halfway through the third quarter. Leif? No, like it was a game where I didn't feel like the Heat were not in control of the game from start to finish. Even when there were some moments early where the Pacers got up, I think, by five. They ended the first quarter. The Heat were down two. I still was not worried. Um, when you see Duncan Robinson start flamethrowing the way that he did, yep. it's just a good indication that things are going to work out well, particularly you saw Jimmy start to get aggressive. So, again, it's kind of like two games in a row now where the Heat have been in full control. So, I think that that's probably going going to show itself out for the remainder of this series yeah I think um what was cool or not necessarily cool was that I think and we'll get to this a little bit later about what was going on in the first quarter in the first half they made this conscientious effort to get Duncan going and at and honestly for the first time in a long time I felt like it was at the detriment of their offense but it paid dividends in that third quarter uh, when just when uh, Dunk, I was about to say justice. Um, that's that. That was an argument from earlier today with George Sedano. But uh, when Duncan started rolling, I think that's that was a, a consequence of what happened in the first quarter. What do you think, Alex? I mean, I maybe I misunderstood, but I don't get why you think it was a detriment to the offense. I thought that was a. I still believe that that's just a huge reason their offense has been as as, as good as it is because of the action they run for Duncan. And well, I, no, I'm, t- I figured- I'm just talking about this game in particular. I think we'll get to that later. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's, we, we talked a lot about Nikias' article uh, about the Heat's offense yesterday um, on the last show. And, yes, uh, you're right. Uh, getting Duncan going and that motion and ball movement is everything this Heat's off- Heat offense is predicated on. But, yeah, I agree with you. But, yeah, uh, no, I mean, the guy is a damn flamethrower, man. And, and it's good to, find, to, to see him do this right away in the playoffs we knew we were national spotlight right yeah yeah. yo i mean like jimmy said he was interviewed directly prior to the game starting and he's like we need to get duncan going we need to get uh you know i think he called him t hero or something like that going um but you know what like to your point alf what what started to happen was is that they they could tell that duncan was unconscious and then they started to overpass a little bit. Yes. So, like, that's the part of the offense that got a little weird. So, it wasn't – I mean, if Duncan's hitting threes, there's never going to be any issue with that. It's more about when you see guys getting two feet from the rim, their finger roll, and then they're passing out, that that's just a little bit um, – maybe we'd like to see a little more finishing at the rim. And that was a big thing on the Twitter timeline, and I want to get to that after the break. But um, what I do want to get to – uh, right away, and it's it's a little bit odd because we're talking about uh, the end of the game before the beginning of the game, but I really want to get to this closing lineup that Eric's using because it's now this is two games in a row where the closing lineup is Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Andre Godala, and Bam Adebayo. With two games in a row, uh, first two games of the playoffs, it seems like this is his go-to. What I will say is tonight seemed like he stretched Goran a little bit longer than he would like to, um, I, w- I personally would have liked to see Duncan come in for uh, Goran just for a few minutes to dispel him, just to keep his legs fresh. Like, that's a lot of minutes for a guy Goran's age to play. And I did see – it did look like Goran started slowing down towards the end of that fourth quarter. But, Alex, I'll go to you first. What do you think of this closing lineup? What do you think of Spo sticking to it? Or do you think this is what we're going to see for the remainder of the playoffs? See, that's the part that I'm not as sure about. I mean – 
not that that can't be the case, but I tend to think just off the top of my head that this is more of a matchup-based thing. Just like I don't know that Derek Jones, Derek Jones Jr. being in the rotation and, you know, Kendrick Nunn and Myers Leonard being the ones out of it, I'm not sure that that's also just a permanent thing and not, you know, more a matchup thing. I kind of feel the same way about both of those things right now. And I do, I do like it a lot. Goran just keeps stepping up. And I think we haven't seen Goran. I think this is something we haven't even mainly really talked about too much. We haven't seen Goran have the type of shooting that he has around him in a heat uniform. And we know that he isn't as fast as, uh, you know, he was when, when they traded for him. He can't always get to the rim as often as he could before. But at the end of the day, it just helps him so much to always be out there with not only good shooting, but, you know, good defenders because he's obviously playing a lot more minutes now with one of Jimmy or Bam. And I think that's a, a simple card that Spo has played that's really making a difference is having Goran out there with some of the better guys doing some creative staggering where it's not only just Goran is out there with that bench lineup without Jimmy or Bam. And I think we're going to see more of that. I think everything else is kind of, it seems to be matchup based because of the way the Pacers play, which is small and fast and motion offense. See, I would you say, know, I, I would agree with you, but I don't think it's matchup based. And I, I'll ask you, Leif, um, just because I think Duncan was fire hot, right? I think you could have made the case to close with Duncan or even give Duncan significant, you know, I'm talking about end of the fourth quarter, six minutes or less. You could have gave Duncan two or three of those minutes to spell Goran. Like, I don't think it's matchup based. I just think he's tied to this group, and I think he really trusts him. And what you're saying about Goran being surrounded by shooters, it means you can't load the lane to stop him. You really just can't because um, you have to trust Iggy from three. The way Jimmy's been shooting from three in the fourth quarter, like, you, ha what I said today is Jimmy doesn't make three-pointers unless they count. Like, listen, your, <laughs> your mid-season three-pointers, he cares not for those, right? That's kind of uh, like Dwayne, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Dwayne only made them what they counted. So, Leif, uh, what did you think of tonight's closing lineup, and do you think this is the one going forward? Um, I think that there are elements of it that are matchup dependent. I think that this is like the there's four the Dragic, Jimmy, Bam, Hero four. That's solid. I, I don't think that they're going away from that. I think that the other player, if you have Duncan Robinson one for six, like in game one or something like that, you see them slide in a different direction. Um, but it, I would imagine eventually Robinson's going to find his way into some of these closing lineups. But but with the defensive stuff that Iggy brings and, um, and you know, at other times it could be maybe another wing um, – Ultimately, I think that four of the five are pretty much in cement. And the biggest one that, like, the takeaways, Hero, he's second on the team in minutes tonight, 34 minutes, uh, five rebounds, three assists. He's doing other things, getting get to the free throw line six times. That was the second most on the team. I mean, this is like he's transforming huge, before our eyes. Yeah, and um, so, okay, how about this? What do you – the two games we've seen that the Heat are in the lead, right? Uh, in the in the last five six minutes, so Andre Godala out there putting defensive pressure on the other team makes a lot of sense. What do you think if the Heat were down nine or ten with five six minutes ago? Do you think Duncan Robinson is in is is in that in the uh, lineup over Andre Godala? Yeah. Well, I don't know about over Andre. I was thinking, yeah, just because if you're telling me that they're down nine to the Pacers, let's say five six minutes going in the fourth quarter. I think you got to bring Duncan in. That's, that tells me their offense isn't really humming the way that they kind of expect it to and the way that it has all season. And I think that's a lot of times because of Duncan not being there, things can get can kind of, you know, uh, get ugly there. Like, you know, Jimmy shot 5 of 13, Goran Dragic – I mean, not Goran Dragic. Sider shot 4 of 14. 
And I think, you know, that's something that's going to happen because the Pacers defend so well. They were the third in defensive rating all year. But at the end of the day, Andre just looks amazing right now. Like, I've been – ever since the, the hands, you know, kind man. of the seeding game started, yeah, it's the hands, it's the timing, it's the angles that he takes. I mean, he's turned into – especially now, the same thing with Goran applies to Andre where he's playing next to Jimmy and Bam more. So he can kind of – on defense, he's doing less, uh, you know, kind of closing the gaps from Goran Dragic getting beat by his man and more, oh, I'm just going to be a playmaker on defense. Now you see him getting steals and blocks more often than he did before. And I think that has to do with, you know, getting the legs under him and playing with the heat more often and understanding where he fits into defensive scheme and all that. But at the end of the day, once he's short in the rotation and you just have your best players out there more often than not, I just, the team does look a lot cleaner, man. Like Ethan's been saying it for a while now, but that, you know, that really just has kind of mitigated some of their other issues. As much as I do want to see Kendrick Nunn get some minutes doesn't he give you, Leif, uh, some of those elements of that uh, Justice, Jimmy, Bam, Bermuda, uh, Bermuda Triangle that we were really excited about? Like, they're closing with that that they're closing with that unit that beat the holy hell out of the, the Toronto Raptors, but yeah. with Iggy over, over Winslow. And, no. I, and, yeah, what do you think about that? It, it, it's, just, it's, you're so, it's so true because Winslow um, had the combination of IQ, making the right reads, having the athletic ability to stay in front of guys. And I know that Iggy, you know, obviously he's getting up there in age, but he makes up for it with some of his length and stuff like that. So you're getting similar activity from those two guys. And uh, Iguodala, just the IQ stuff is off the charts. The more I watch him, I realize how much I wasn't paying as much attention to him when he was on other teams because he really is making reads that are um, like when Steve Kerr said he was the smartest player he'd ever coached. I, I now I'm starting to understand that more and more. So um, it, it's a, it's a pleasant surprise because there were moments when Iggy first arrived where I felt like maybe he was going to be a guy who got squeezed out because of his age and just kind of not looking right. But, um, but he's proving to be kind of a vital key cog to this rotation uh, so far. Right. One of these guys who's, who's, influence doesn't really show up in the box where like he was only plus two tonight um or today i keep saying tonight but i i i I, say if you watch the game like you just know how important he was um but we would be remiss to even like continue to go because we're talking about the closing lineup but we can't continue to go forward without talking about 24 points leading score on the team from duncan robinson okay uh we're talking about seven for eight from three, from three point, all he shot was three pointers. By the way, seven for eight from three, three from three, three for three from the line. Uh, set a Heat playoff record for seven for most threes in a game. Um, I mean, incredible. Like the only shot that he missed was like we all kind of thought he was going to miss. It was like off balance, but we all still kind of felt like he might make it. Right? It was it was incredible. Like the 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 show that he put on tonight. Like, what do you? What do you take away from that? His second playoff game of his entire career, completely, completely unafraid of the moment. I mean, a couple things. One, he doesn't have two bad games in a row. That's a sign of a player that is um, – uh, he's a gamer. I mean, I know I'm using Play, some cliche talk about phrasing. about it, man, dude. But, like – about that shit. Like, talk like, about the fact that this kid undrafted second year will not put up two goose eggs in a row or two bad games in a row. The guy comes out – blazing if he had a bad game I feel like he's in the room stewing and I talked to him about this in the locker room about what happens after a bad game he's like I you know you could I could see it in his face he was like bad game it almost upset him me even saying bad game and he's like no you just stick to the routine but I could tell bad games bother him and you just saw it tonight 
Yeah, no, he had the guts. And, like, this is the other part of all this. He did all that in 25 minutes. Like, I think if you were to ask Nate McMillan before the game, like, yo, Duncan Robinson's only going to play 25 minutes. You don't know anything else about how he plays, but he's only going to play 25 minutes. Do you take it or do you not take it? Nate McMillan is taking that. And he got just literally surgically – um, picked apart by, uh, you know, Duncan from the onset, like literally right as the game started, it was just uh, flame throwing. as I've said five times now, but I'm going to keep saying it. It was just, it's amazing to watch. I mean, he's the best shooter on earth right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about it anymore. And it's funny that you said, by the way, that all his shots are threes, because I do remember a couple of times in the game where he, uh, he kind of uh, faked it. You know, there was a lot of pressure uh, on him at the three-point line face. It drives inside. And the help was there waiting for him at the rim. So they're kind of <laughs> yes. starting to respect the finish, too. I mean, at the end of the day, he, the finishing percentages are what it is. I don't even got to check it to know that guy is finishing at the rim. high. Yeah, 75% like, at the rim for the season. You rarely see him miss that when he takes it because he only – that's the thing with him. He only takes the ones that he knows he can make. And at the end of the day, he's got the size for it, man. A lot of times he's going down there and there's barely anybody helping. And now they kind of are. He made the right passes. At the end of the day, him and Hero – have kind of just come out here looking polished as hell with the reads that they're making, just looking poised in, and, in all facets of the game offensively. And let's talk about the fact there was a lot of times he got switched on to Brogdon, or he not even switched. Like, that was his assignment. Malcolm Brogdon, who has been, I mean, arguably, I don't even know if you can argue about it. It was it, He's been the, the Pacers' best player so far in the series, and he's held his own. I'm not going to say he's some all-world defender. Don't get me wrong. But, like, he's not a turnstile and I'm not trying to bash anybody or speak ill of the bench, but um, like he is not—he's not the turnstile that Kendrick Nunn saying, has been out there. I was gonna say uh, with a little bit more subtle. You're just saying that the re- there's some reasons that Spo made the rotation decisions he made. Well, but- it's a. It's a couple things. It's one that he's not a turnstile and he's able to stay in front of guys long enough. But you know what else he does? He recognizes when he has the chance to like grab another one of his teammates by the back of the jersey and shuffle him toward the guy that may be a little faster than him. And then like he makes the switch. So like they're really cognizant of when they've got guys near them and they can switch. And they're so like he's doing that in ways where it mitigates how long he's out on an island against a Brogdon. And that's huge. But he also did there was a play today where he got switched on to miles turner and bam was out out in, on the perimeter against brogdon and of course bam can handle brogdon bam can handle anyone which we'll talk about a little bit later because bam's absolutely incredible right now um and doris burke did a great job great job of pointing that out which is listen i know everyone can get on me why didn't you watch the heat broadcast listen if i could watch mark jones and doris burke like i'm watching mark jones and doris burke every time i possibly can but there was a time he was he was uh, on the block trying to defend Miles Turner, and he was doing this really good job fronting Miles Turner to deny the entry pass. So once they swung it on the strong side, um, he grabbed Bam and made the switch happen. Instead of just sitting there on that island and letting Miles Turner repost on him and then getting dunked on, which probably would have happened, like he knows his limitations. He made sure to make that switch. And Bam, even as smart as defender as he is, was so worried about Malcolm Brogdon, he didn't see what was happening. And Duncan would, did, made the right decision. So I think there's a lot of those things that the coaching staff sees that we as, you know, layman fans don't always see. And I think Duncan has has transcended a lot of just just the, you know, the shooter role. I'm not saying he's a 3 and D guy, but I, I will say that he's a much better defender than we give him credit for. 
I mean, I, I'm definitely with you there. I'm impressed by him and Duncan. I mean, I mean, him and Tyler, again, it's the same thing. They both came out of this looking more, I mean, even smarter when it comes to defensive uh, awareness and where they should be and how they should guard somebody. Like you said, having the defensive awareness to front Miles Turner, I mean, that's obvious. That's an that's a obvious thing you have to do if you're the smaller guy. But the way that he did it, and like you said, executed the, the switch, because that's a timing thing too. Because a lot of times people will mess up those things because the communication – isn't sharp or you maybe time it wrong and all of a sudden you know the big has a wide open layup and they don't do that they're not making those mistakes even though Duncan is you know kind of slow-footed I think the only thing with him is that he still even with the good defense he still finds ways where guys just are just kind of scoring right over him and I'm definitely Listen. no body expert I think it has something to do with his core <laughs> I don't know his limitations day, man he has his limitations yeah I'm just gonna I'm just saying all like, a lot of times it's like <laughs> He has his arms all over Brogdon. He's way taller than him. I will, and Brogdon just scores over him. And and I'm like, well, Leif, I think me and, and, and you, I kind of feel the same way about Tyler. Leif, me and you like both kind of look at look at some of this stuff from just an eye test standpoint, and we we actually uh, appreciate some more of the intangibles. I think there's something when it comes to the refs and opposing players of guys like that have that reputation, the Kendrick Nunns, the Tyler Heroes, the Goran Dragic's, the Duncan Robinsons, where the guys are going to the hole against them with more confidence than they normally do. Like, I can right. take this dude, right? Yeah. So, yes, Duncan Robinson is six foot seven, six foot eight, long arms, should be a good defender, but, like, there's this reputation that he can't defend. So, guys are going right at him, like, I'm going to make this no matter what he does. And I think the refs look at it like, if he missed, Duncan Robinson must have fouled him because there's no way Victor Oladipo wouldn't be able to score over uh, Duncan Robinson. I mean, to your point, like at me being a body language expert, uh, like when you see one of these guys out with Bam, like let's see, let's say Oladipo has Bam out on him. He's kind of, he dances around. He doesn't really get very far. If he has Duncan Robinson on him, you see a little pep in his step. He's right? bouncing, you know what I mean? <laughs> like he's just, he's feeling himself like a little bit more. So you're totally right about that. And I think that the more that these guys prove that they can, hold their own not necessarily stop guys but just hold their own in those matchups it's just going to make it more confusing for and daunting of a task for teams to score on these guys because we ultimately you have an eraser and bam and and, and jimmy too like like jimmy has kind of made tj warren work for everything and uh no no get, get on keep going keep going i'm sorry and and so ultimately like i, I feel like the more those guys are con are comparable on defense to you know like it just helps the overall unit definitely without a doubt um no everybody uh i don't even want alex to cut it out because we always we always cut out our little mistakes i was signaling to alex that we're gonna take a break right here and leif was like what am i supposed to shut up but <laughs> i kind of wanted to keep going about this too so i'm like well i'm i'm good with leif just keeping going <laughs> yeah but that was that was completely my bad so don't blame leif for that as, Alex, them, don't cut this out. Ethan's not here. We don't got to be clean. With I will this. say, before you, before you cut this off, we're going to keep seeing a lot more of that, by the way, of guys just going right at Hero and Goron and Duncan. And even if they do keep doing a good job, I think that's really the only way for the Pacers offense to really get going. Because a lot of times, like, I just really – I get to kind of get the argument a little bit that, you know, they're, they're kind of looking for Bam on switches to get him out of the paint. But at the end of the day, they're shooting right over him which kind of mitigates the whole point that like if you're trying yeah. to get him out of the paint, wouldn't you dump it inside? You, there's the no guy? point of getting Bam out of anywhere. Just just go away from Bam. It's honestly your best bet and win individual matchups. And that's honestly one of the things I want to talk about 
in 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 after the break because we're going to talk about what Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than fifty percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. We kind of saw what went wrong in the first half and what the Heat did a better job of the, in the second half. And I think, and it's probably going to sound weird, I think they took a page out of the Pacers book. But before we, before we do that, let's go, to one, let's go to the break and a message from Safe Cubbies. I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safe cubbies.com which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget you can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards magnetic panels acrylic sheets and graphic branding most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes now this is for workplaces they've got a bunch of different options on their professional series but also they've got private room solutions dividers and sneeze guards and they have a classroom series as well so if you're involved with the school this is definitely something your school should check out of course if we have school in the fall and that's the point here we were entering a new normal period with COVID-19 safecubbies.com which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com Okay, and we're back. So we're going to talk about the first half, right? Because we celebrated the the Heat win. We celebrated Duncan shooting. We celebrated how they closed the game. Um, the Heat are closing a lot better in these playoffs than they did all season long. There was no lead safe when it came to the Miami Heat. Uh, the third quarter has been better. It's not the third quarter as much as it used to be. Um, and the fourth quarter down the stretch, they've executed pretty damn well. So tonight's game... It started off great, right? Duncan Robinson hitting three threes. Um, I mean, it was just the, the flow and the movement of the offense was great. They were playing great defense. And then they faced a challenge by the Pacers. The Pacers adjusted because the Pacers are one of the elite defensive teams in the league. I think they're top three in defense in, in, uh, in th- this season, right? So I think one of the things that what, that's happened, what happened was that the Heat saw that they weren't able to get Duncan Robinson and their shooters open threes in the last game. So they made an over-adjustment um, where there was almost too much ball movement. There was a lot of overpassing. I saw the entire Twitter timeline complaining about this. Guys getting three feet from the rim and doing weird kickback bounce passes that were getting picked off or hitting guys in the ankles and knees. Nowhere in the shooting motion. Like, it was just... There was a lot of overpassing being done. I mean, uh, Alex, I'll go to you first. Did you see the same thing that most of my timeline and I was seeing, or did you see something else? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. There was a lot of overpassing. There's one play that just keeps sticking out in my mind where I, I keep seeing it. I think it was it was it Jimmy who had the wide open lane and Brogdon was kind of waiting in the paint, but he didn't even really contest. Like, he was just kind of going to let him go, and he passed it out, and Hero made the shot. It, it, it was, you know, it was a really nice play. Hero was wide open. 
but that's the one that keeps sticking out to me because like that was literally like as open a layup as you could pass up. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was good. But at the end of the day, Jimmy's making the right play. And I think he that's kind of all like what you're describing, a lot of it has to do with Jimmy and the way that he goes about the quarters. I feel like we've seen a lot of it all year. He was kind of just a point forward all year, fourth quarter, he comes alive and we're seeing, I think, kind of like the middle ground of that where he's he, he's more aggressive than he was during the season. But at the end of the day, he's still looking to get guys going because I think he knows and and, and for sure they're drilling it uh, into the team that that's the way that the offense goes is by everybody, you know, touching the ball and everybody moving around and screening. And I think uh, Jimmy kind of needs to take a little bit more advantage of some of these matchups because they're really small, man. Holiday cannot guard him going to the rim. Uh, Brogdon can try. Like he's, he's the guy's pretty big for for a point guard and, He'll do his best, but Jimmy a lot of times is just going to get the foul calls, and I think that's something that's going to keep happening, right? Because he's either going to score or he's going to get the foul calls versus this team, and maybe that doesn't happen versus the Bucks in the second round because they've got you know just bigger defenders and Giannis and Brooke Lopez waiting in the paint, and this is just I think a great matchup for Jimmy to really go all out. And once they things bog down, they can't the shooters can't get openings. I think Jimmy really needs to start attacking the rim. You know, um, something that and same for Bam, by the way. Another key element, as we've talked about this team kind of rounding into playoff form, is and you 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 alluded to it earlier about no third quarter. I don't know what we're gonna call it now. We put it up on a poll. I think Ethan did. I kind of like culture quarter, but you know I'm always going with culture with everything. They outscored the Pacers 37-31 in the third, so it was it was a quarter that they actually extended the halftime lead, and um, that's. That's encouraging to me because we've seen so many games where they just completely um, come out and they look lethargic and missed shots turn into defensive assignments getting missed and they're, they're cleaning that up. And then you have Jimmy continually controlling pace, getting to the line. I think he got to the line eight or nine times to, again today. So, so that's continuing. So it's um, you're, I know that the Pacers are shorthanded, but the things that the Heat can control, they are absolutely controlling, and I think that bodes well as they get deeper into this playoff run. What, what I think happened, and <clears throat> this is something that um, – and I feel so bad because I cannot remember her name. She wrote a gr- – do you guys remember? It was a great uh, write-up about what the Pacers needed to do. Yeah, Caitlin Cooper. Caitlin Cooper. I mean, amazing. Like, if you guys can find her on Twitter, find that article. Absolutely amazing breakdown. Like – it's honestly uh, the best thing I've seen outside of Nikias lately. Like, not – and this is this is no BS. I don't, I don't even know if she's working with her or anything. She was just absolutely amazing. Um, what she said, and which I completely agreed with, is that the Pacers need to take advantage of individual matchups, right? So this idea of, like, trying to switch BAM on it, people, I just don't know why you're like, – I don't know why you think this is a good idea. Unless you're... It would only make sense if you think Miles Turner is going to win the, the, the mismatch there, but they're not giving it to him when they do They're it. not so giving that, it to him, and he's not – It makes no sense to me. Like, I'm like, am I missing something? Am I stupid? Like, what's the point of this? They're switching guys like Duncan Robinson and Jay Crowder on the Miles Turner and then keeping the ball – but I think also is, that has a lot to do with the like pressure. Like, at least swing it. I'm, I'm thinking if I'm a Pacers <laughs> right? fan, you don't got to get – like, if they're really just fronting the hell out of it and he do a good job with that again, just swing it. And, and, and it's at not, the end of the day, also, Bam isn't in the paint anymore. It's the pressure. He's not even doing that. It's the pressure that Bam puts on the ball. I think that's that's one of the biggest factors. But like you're saying, swing it. But honestly, I think some of that swinging stuff and, and entry passes is, is a complete lost art. 
Like, and that's that's my old man take for another day. Like, I, I could go off for that for hours. Like, the fact that nobody can make an entry pass, which I don't understand that anymore because I'm watching Joel Embiid sit yeah. there and just, like, completely not be able to flourish because nobody can get him an entry pass. But anyway. Um, but, you know, like, what's a disconcerting thing for Pacers fans and the team as well is that, like, Miles Turner actually played well today. He was 7 of 8, 3 of 3 from 3, 8 rebounds, 5 blocks. So he, he played well. So, like, if they're talking about um, finding ways to unlock Miles Turner, which sounds funny to say out loud, like, they did that today and they still couldn't get a win. So I feel like it's essentially like they're trying all these different things and just, it's and not And they working. had Oladipo back, so that excuse is gone. Okay, so, like, so let's just get rid of all the excuses. But one of the things I will I, say about that before you keep going is that I think this Oladipo, like he's doing a good job. He obviously helps being out there versus not being out there. He's doing, you know, he's playing well on defense. He's kind of getting better, right? Like he, he looks a little bit better and better, but he's not, he's still in that state where he's kind of, regaining his athleticism, doesn't have the lift, doesn't have the acceleration anymore. And I think because of that, they don't really have that inside presence, man. And I talked about it uh, after the last game, and, and I just keep seeing it more and more. It stands out, and that's why they hunt out all these – it feels like at the end of every shot clock, the Pacers are hunting out matchups. You, you, you know, half of the time it's bam for some reason. Uh, because of that, I think Jimmy – I mean, uh, Oladipo can't really get to the rim like he could before, and it's really taking a toll – on their offense. And I think that's why they've gone small. And obviously because of the roster situation with Sabonis as well, is because Oladipo cannot be that main guy anymore. And we've been known that, but he really just can't get to the paint. I mean, he, he can only do it against like a Tyler hero. He, he just doesn't look that fast. Well, and, and one of the things Caitlin pointed out was uh, the Pacers players. It's just not Brogdon or Warren's strong suit either. It's like driving and finishing in the paint. Other than Warren, you know, getting the little midi floaters and stuff. Well, all, all that stuff is what Caitlin was pointing out is that they need to win their individual matchups and stop all the, all the switching. They, they, they're going to rely on it like too much, I think, is the problem for them. They're going to need that to work like more often they than need not to in every you, game. Okay. So what, what I said, when I was saying that the Heat took a page out of their playbook, mostly they took a page out of Caitlin's playbook. I think towards the end of the, the second half of the second quarter, Goran was like, enough of this ball movement shit. Like, we need to score some buckets. And that's what, I, what I've been saying about and uh, I've been saying about Goran, and I have a, a bunch of people pretending to steal my take about relief points because they always, uh, Spolstra always used to talk about Chris Bosh getting the heat, the heat a lot of relief points where there was nothing else that can be done in that shot clock. And Chris Bosh just spots up from the elbow and just shoots a left-handed jumper, smooth, swish, let's go. Or just drives in and gets you a layup. Uh, Goran Dragic just does a lot of that stuff. Yeah. He did, he did it like a, probably five or six times today, right? He did right? it a ton of times today. And I think, I think after he started doing it, because that ball movement shit just started – because the Heat had ten turnovers with, I think, a few minutes left in the second half. And they didn't have another one till the, till the middle of the third quarter, right? Uh, the first half, I'm sorry. So I think I think the entire team started to take the lead of Goran where it was just like, listen, win your individual matchup sometimes. Like, the ball movement stuff isn't working. They're they're picking off passing lanes. We're, we're overpassing. We're doing all this stuff. Goran was just like, yo, I'm just going to score. And I think Jimmy started to take on that to take on that lead at the end of the second quarter. And that's when they started to build the lead. And I think it translated into the third. So that so what I was trying to say when they took a page out of their book is go ahead and win your individual matchup sometimes. Like it doesn't always have to be about getting Duncan Robinson open. So yes, they got Duncan Robinson open a lot and they got some really good three-point shots in that first quarter. 
But it, like I said, it was at the detriment of their offense at times because they were they started overpassing. So I think at how... some at some point they started to win their individual matchups, and that opened everything else up. So like it, instead of four, five, six passes, it became two to three, and there was a guy open, and that's that's where I was kind of going with that. I'm gonna have to watch back, but I I want to say that in the second half they were kind of flowing into pick and roll towards the end of a you know the second half of a shot clock more often than not. And and I'm not saying that they weren't ice or anything, but basically I think that's healthy for them to be like, okay, we're going to run our, our original action. And if things don't work out because the Pacers just happen to be a really good defense and they're scouting the hell out of all of our actions and they're all of those guys are really fighting out there. There's, you know, even if they're size mismatches, those guys are playing good defense. And I think it's, it's a good, it's a really good adjustment to kind of flow into a pick and roll later to the end of the shot clock. Cause I think Goran and Jimmy, their best playmakers are both so good at that and I think both will make stuff happen out of that and I think that's something we're gonna we're just gonna keep seeing well and when you talk about balance between winning individual matchups and getting everybody involved timing matters too like I feel like if you unlock the shooters first then it really allows you to like hone in on individual matchups and they can't leave those shooters and they get hypersensitive to that whole deal. And then you got Jimmy and Gorn getting into the lane and stuff like that. So the, the timing worked out perfectly today as well. I think what I will say, Leif, I just think, I think against a team like the Pacers, you can wait, you know, a, uh, you know, half a quarter too late. Right. I think against the most more elite teams in the league, like you start that overpassing crap, um, you're gonna, you're, they're gonna take. They're, first of all, it's not gonna work as well at the, in 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 the first quarter like it did, and then you're 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 gonna lose traction. And what's gonna happen is it's gonna be a downhill thing really quickly, and you're gonna be fighting to catch up instead of okay. Now we're we're three points, four points behind. You do that against the Celtics, you're 12, 13 points behind in the second quarter. Yeah, and that's now, a good point. And now you're playing catch up. So. To me, and I, and we I already know turnovers are a problem, and the Pacers have definitely picked on it. So I think that absolutely connects to what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just I think they have to find that balance between getting their shooters going, and then but at the same time, there was guys we all saw. There were so many times where guys have a layup, or or even if it's a contested layup, take it and get fouled. Like Jimmy draws fouls, but they were just they were so concerned about getting shooters going that. They were giving up, like, and even Duncan Robinson started giving up shots at the, like the beginning of the second quarter, which was wild. Like, it's almost it's almost like it's muscle memory at this point because there was a play at the end of the quarter where DJJ got a rebound, and had he just been cognizant enough to just like kind of throw it up there, he may have gotten it off before the shot clock yes. or before the the he end was of the looking quarter. Looking for clock. a shooter, though. He Correct. For- <laughs> like it's like muscle memory. Like they're just conditioned to turn around and find a shooter. Precisely, they're drilled into them so much. I mean, you see it, right? Jimmy, Bam, Derek, Goran. Anytime these guys collapse to the paint, they, they're almost like always looking for the shooter. And, um, okay, so before we go, like, I think the, the, the cool thing is a lot of people complain about uh, Spo not making adjustments. There was an adjustment made mid-second quarter, which it was a kind of adjustment you normally make made at the half. They made it in the middle of the second quarter and went from down three, four, five points to going into the, I think they went into the second half up five or six. Was it five? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but, I uh, think they were up five. They were up five. So they made the turnaround in in the middle of the second quarter and it carried them throughout the end of the game. So what I want to go, so before we end, um, I want to talk about something that if, if you were watching the ESPN 
the ESPN broadcast, Doris Burke was hitting on a lot that Bam Adebayo's impact is not felt all the time on the stat sheet. And there's been a lot of talk about Bam being more aggressive. Uh, Nikias and I talked about it. We talk about it on Twitter all the time. We talk about it on this podcast. We would love to see him more aggressive. I think the aggressive Bam is the best Bam. And then Eric Spolscher told all you know where, Alf. Yeah, so <laughs> Eric Spolscher told all of us to stick that talk up our you-know-wheres. And, like, tonight was one of those instances where – He's absolutely right. Uh, I mean, what was, what was Bam's uh, a box score? Like, I think, what he, he was four? plus nineteen, plus nineteen, three of seven. But again, like, like if you go to McMillan and you say Duncan Robinson's going to play twenty five minutes and Bam's going to have seven and five, do you take it? He's like, Only hell two yeah, attempts. <laughs> exactly. Only two free throw attempts. Like this is. But every I mean, time Bam was out there, you felt better about the Miami Heat. Correct. Oh, no doubt. When it came to screen assists, when it came to defense, like switching on him. Because also you got to remember that overpassing and all that nonsense started when Bam got two fouls and had to sit down. The whole offense. So we we always talk about Bam's defensive presence. The offense went to crap when Bam Adebayo sat down with two fouls in the first quarter. Like the the entire rhythm of what they're trying to do like, went to crap. And then, like, there was a sequence, which was cool plus to me. Plus 19. Plus 19. There was the, a sequence the closest that, on the team was uh, Jimmy plus 12, and then nobody else really close. There was a sequence that was cool to me where uh, he, had, he had the ball, um, and he, he was faced up to, on Miles Tur- Turner. But he was also – I mean, he was set, set, setting interference for Tyler Hero. And Tyler Hero went to the corner when he wanted to go to, him to go to the elbow – and he's screaming at Tyler Hero. And usually you only see that stuff from Bam on the defensive end. Offensively, he was like, Tyler, you're in the wrong place. And Tyler, like, has his head down. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm my bad, my bad. Like, he's a leader on the offensive end. So I just want to ask you guys, and, and Leif, I'll start with you. Like, Bam, not the greatest box score game in the world, but what did you see from him on the court tonight? I mean, it's just the impact. It, it, it's more and more showing that he is a player that, is going to, I mean, and you've said it already, he impacts the game and we don't see it in the box score, but particularly with the leadership qualities. And that's something we've talked about. Like Bam's kind of been the soft-spoken dude. He didn't necessarily like show us a ton of his personality initially. And not that you really need to show a ton of personality to be a leader, but in this particular locker room, I feel like you got to have a little bit of bark to get to kind of uh, to direct traffic. It's something that Jimmy has done a lot of. We always see Spo doing it. Uh, even Goran is big with that. So like to see Bam start to um, evolve into a more vocal leader, I think is going to bode well going forward because he does it on the defensive end just intrinsically with the way he plays. But to start to see him point stuff out on offense, it just shows that he's more confident in understanding where everyone needs to be. So it's just reinforcing point Bam. I mean, I kind of agree with you more. And I think this is honestly a symptom of a much larger thing with the whole team kind of just being bought in to the way that the team plays on both sides of the floor. Everybody's completely, you know, everybody understands exactly what they need to do. And I know that's something that, you know, gets said a lot. But a lot of times we're talking about that in in a sense of like, oh, yeah, they've got players who know that their role is to just stand in the corner and shoot. But that's not, it's way more than that. It's a, there's a whole system of offense going on here. And I think, the players trust that this is kind of everything that's happening in the offense is just to pretty much maximize the talent that they have on the floor at all times. And that's why you see, I think, 
Kelly Olynyk, somebody whose role has kind of been up and down for the past two seasons because of injuries and, and whatever else, who kind of got his role back just because he does all of those things. He follows the system to a T. And a lot of times he's even going down there and posting up when he gets the mismatch, I think, which is something I think Bam needs to do more. Uh, and at the end of the day, like little things like that, I feel like everybody is just completely understanding everything that's going on. People are making quick decisions. And that's why I, I like to see the communication. And I bet like Spo would say, yeah, everybody's out there communicating at all times. Jesus, at all times, we're constantly encouraging that. I think that's what they want. Yeah, Jay Crowder in the first quarter posting up Aaron Holiday was a was a beautiful sight to see. Like, do that more, please. Yeah. Like, he either – I mean, he got to the rim every single time. Um, and honestly, I would like to see a lot of that on sw- – like, on switches, the kind of things – the kind of things on switches that the um, that the Pacers are trying to do, I'd like to see them do with Bam. But listen, if they know one of Bam's uh, – weak points is post up offense why even go to it right <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense I do so, think they should go to it if they got smaller guys on him I think they're gonna need to make he's gonna need to make those guys pay because Alex just loves might, getting yelled at by listen, Spo. Alex, like, you can't well, help yourself it's compulsive now Alex I'm stick it up your ass man if he's down there is it a bad thing for him to try to you know just score right over the small guy no that's that's all I'm saying Spo yeah. says Amen. stick it up your ass <laughs> Without the French words. Anyway, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, Another Heat victory. Um, Leif, before we go, real quick, uh, 20, 15, 10, five seconds or less, uh, does your prediction change? I think what you said, Heat and six? Yeah, I said Heat and six because I have no guts. I truthfully, like, this is gonna, I'm going to completely go on the other side of this. I think the Heat sweep this series, and I'm going to tell you why. Like, I, the fact that they're not changing venues, like, the Pacers are just – there's going to be more of a demoralization, an incomprehensible demoralization that takes place as they grind them down. And um, I don't see that letting up. So, honestly, like, maybe the Pacers steal a game just because they're professionals. So, I'll go Heat and five to be safe, and that's my target phrase. But uh, I was wrong with Heat and six. That's, it's going to finish. It's a short series. Alex, you change your opinion? No, Heat and five. Yeah, I think um, I I was I was trending towards Heat and six, but I wanted to have guts and lie to myself and everyone else and said Heat and five. But I'm uh, I'm actually believing Heat and five at this point. Um, if they win Game three, listen, uh, you know the Heat, man, gentlemen sweep. They like to give the other team a game because they're a classy organization, and it's the right thing to do. Um, all right, thanks thanks everyone for joining us. Um, I'm sorry that Ethan wasn't here and it wasn't as organized as usual. Um, but I've been drinking and I think we had a good time. Uh, check us out tonight. If you're listening on Thursday, we're about to drop this in, a, in 30 minutes, uh, five, five 30. If you're, if you're listening tonight, watch us on floors, yours, uh, live streaming show on YouTube. I don't know if it's on Twitter anymore. I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't know if we can monetize it. Um, but uh, we're definitely going to be on YouTube and, uh, you guys can join, give your comments. Um, say weird uh sexual advances towards us which is always fun uh benjamin 704 is a star of that show that's like, he's honestly my favorite uh my 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 main reason for doing that show is just to see what benjamin 704 says so me too check, <laughs> right check us out tonight floor is yours um watch uh, i think you posting this on dash alex Oh, yeah, yeah. This is going to Dash along with Floor is Yours. Okay, so thank you to our Dash Radio listeners, and we will talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.